Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, most merciful. You're listening to the Muslim Experience Podcast and I'm your host, Farooq Qadir. The reason why I decided to embark on this journey of podcasts is to allow people to share their stories and experiences. I'll be interviewing Muslims, new Muslims and anyone who is starting their journey into Islam. So if you'd like to share your story on our next podcast, head on over to themuslimexperience.com and send me your details. Alternatively, you can email info at themuslimexperience.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So this is the second episode of the Muslim Experience. So yeah, without further ado, Brother Abdul, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So um... Just for the benefit of the listeners, I just wanted to um, just give you an opportunity to maybe tell us a little about yourself. I was raised as a Christian up until uh, I was about 19. I disassociated myself from uh, Christianity. And uh, about 10 years a little less than 10 years later, uh, I came into the religion of Islam. And I want to uh, go into that. So like your journey into Islam, um, could you share some insights, how you became a Muslim, uh, the impact in your life, uh, your family, friends around you? How, how was it? Well, I was brought to Islam as a result of a prayer, uh, an answer prayer. Um, in regards to the truth about religion. And that prayer led to a dream that uh, was bestowed upon me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that dream uh, I took as an answer to my prayer and I took my shahada in 2009. SubhanAllah. And how was it for you, like with your friends and family? How did they take it with this new change in your life? I, I didn't really feel any any impact at all. SubhanAllah, that's Neither good. negative nor positive. Alright. It was just like, hey. <laughs> and what kind of value did they add to your life? It was a major difference. Um, growing up as a Christian, uh, I think it's really To me, it's a big indoctrination. When you become a very learned uh, person who studies Christianity from an academic and a scientific perspective, uh, it differs greatly from the Christian ideology pushed by the average Christian and the average reverend and the average pastor. Right. Uh, if I might give you an example, let's say uh, a lot of Christians, let's say a Christian uh, eat pork. Yeah. And if you bring it up like, uh, you eat pork, they, say, they might say, yeah, I'm not a Muslim. Right. And they don't really think that, hold on, the religion of Christianity was formed before the religion of Islam by about, what, 600 years. And in your book that you take as holy, the Bible in Leviticus, it tells you that swine is forbidden. Uh, so a, a, a 
a lot of I, I noticed that a lot of uh, people in the Christian religion they kind of fed a version of the religion that isn't represented by the book that they take as holy, and they never investigate uh, these things on their own with a clear discerning mind. It's like they're very susceptible to uh, indoctrination. Um, another example, uh, long before I, I, I made the prayer in regards to truth about religion, I started studying religion from this angle, Christianity. All right. So th this was part of what led me away from it. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's, it's many examples. Uh, let's say for another example, uh, you might ask a Christian, uh, let's say, uh, why do you not do this? Because uh, in this book, it says you have to do this. Why do, why, why do you not do this? And you can even ask a pastor. He said, oh, no, that's, uh, that's the Old Testament. Right. Jesus changed it. We follow the New Testament. Right. But when you investigate, there is no uh, legislative religious term that can specifically, uh, truthfully represent this title, New and Old Testament. These books were never called, were never legislated to be called the Old Testament. Yeah. It's called the Torah. Yeah. And the Torah has no meaning of Old Testament. Right. And so with the Egypt, it doesn't mean New Testament. So they build upon these false ideologies. They build a, 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 a humongous structures on these false ideologies and misrepresent. And it, as you know, it's essential to build false ideologies if you want to sell somebody on a false ship. Because they get so crossed up in this web of, of false ideologies right. that everything they perceive is based on these, these false ideologies. So somebody like me will tell them, I'll say, well, first of all, that's not called the Old Testament. You, you, you made that up. And secondly, that's not called the New Testament. You made that up. And third of all, Jesus didn't change that. Show me the scripture where Jesus changed this. Yeah. You can't. No. So they'll take you to a scripture that says something totally different. And they'll say, well, but that's what it means. Uh, so uh, even before I was a Muslim, I left a lot of people um, in awe because I made them question the authenticity of the ideology that they represented. Right. And I think this gift bestowed upon me. Um, last week I was talking to a, a Christian preacher. Okay. And he had conversion all in his eyes. Oh. And when he left me, he said, don't let nobody change you. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh. This is a Christian preacher. Oh. Who I, I made him see all of this stuff yeah. that he's, he's been under a spell. Because yeah. it's almost like a spell. Because right. people, you can have a person that's in their 80s right now and, they're, and they still have never broken the spell. They still represent these false ideologies. Where the truth of the matter, they read it yeah. at Bible study 
And in the church, two or three times a week, they read these lines and it still never registers. Right. It's almost like, it's almost similar to a, a child in school being told that Columbus discovered America and he was mad at the shore, that he was mad at the shore yeah. by natives. Yeah. And nobody never thinks like, well, how did he discover a place where he, he's mad at the shore yeah. by natives? Obviously, they, the, the natives must have discovered it. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, like, like I said, I, I think um, Islam um, produces a sort of discernment in us. So where uh, we think out the information placed before us and we devour it. And any truth in it, we'll see it. And any falsehood, we'll see it. I, I think it's really important like to hear that uh, from your perspective because me you know being born into a Muslim family I didn't see any of that and that's the thing it's, it's really important to hear that perception because I, I've never I've never heard of it from that point and it, it's obvious that alhamdulillah you you have such a in-depth knowledge especially with the, the scriptures you've got to I guess decide on the, like the comparative religion aspect, right? You know, you didn't just say, hey, I want to be a Muslim, right? You, no, no, no. It was like, so what about the Quran? Let's talk about it's, that. Islam it? was something that I used to tell people, I, I, I used to say I would never be a Muslim. Some people wow. used to mistake me for a Muslim um, because of my, uh, see, when I, was, <clears throat> when I was younger, yeah, I had such a passion to identify injustice and racism that I faced, that my people faced, right. first-hand experiences, second-hand experiences, and I had a passion for it. People in America associate that passion with uh, the nation of Islam. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's almost like you can't be black in conscience without being just a black and conscious individual. So I used to have to correct people all the time, like, they might say, no, that's because you're a Muslim. I said, I ain't a Muslim. They say, yes, you is a Muslim. You, you, you hate white people. I said, when have you ever hear me say any white racial term? You, you didn't, but you always talking about? I said, so what? So in order for me to be blessed with a conscious mind, to be able to perceive injustice, and hate it and speak against it, that makes me racist. I'm the victim of it. I'm, I'm the oppressed, mm -hmm. not the oppressor. Right. So as a member of the oppressed part of this uh, equation, mm -hmm. uh, even if I did, um, that would be a, very, a fairly reasonable uh, state. But that's not the case. Right. You, you're misrepresenting me for simply pointing out injustices and trying to make you conscious to it. Right. And so people used to mistake me for a black Muslim. And I used to tell them like, nah, I'm not, I'm not no Muslim. I'll never be a Muslim. <laughs> and so, uh, and at the time, I didn't even know the difference between the nation of Islam right. and our Islam, true Islam. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I was never converted. <clears throat> I've had many people try to convert me. 
to both. Yeah. And it wasn't happening. But one day, when I was just pondering um, how many religions there was, and at the time I was in a, a very low uh, state, and I, I returned. Sometimes when you're at your lowest, you return to religion. Right. Like the prodigal son parable. And at the time I had returned to the only religion that I had ever been a part of. Yeah. Even though I had been uh, kept cast away years earlier, uh, I was at a low that I hadn't been at before. And I returned. And I just couldn't do it. I'm like, I already know the truth about this. Like I can't I can't return to this. Right. So as I sat there thinking, I'm like, well, what am I to do? And a light bulb went off, and it said, pray. It said, pray, ask for the truth. It said, don't pray to Jesus, because if that religion is false, then by default, you'll be praying to Satan. Don't pray to Buddha. Don't pray to any uh, established religious name, because if it's incorrect, by default, you're praying to the evil one. So I said, okay, I'll pray to Allah. Um, and at the time I used the Hebrew term, El El, yeah. which means the same thing, the most high. Right. So I knew that it's it, it only one befitting of this title who can answer a silent prayer from my brain and my heart. Yeah. And no, nobody else can represent this term, the most high, above all things. So I prayed and I said, show me, show me the truth. I said, there's too many religions. And if I'm wrong, then I'm in the hellfire for eternity. So I said, well, show me what the truth is. And if I fail, then that's on me. I wish I would never said that part. But I said, if I fail, then that's on me. But at least show me the truth. Yeah. So within the 24-hour period, uh, to this day, I can't remember if I had the dream that night after the prayer or the very next night, but it was definitely within the 24-hour period. Okay. I had a dream. It was a very vivid dream. In the dream, I was in a, a mud house, and it was shaped like a perfect square. And it was probably about maybe 25 by 25 perfect square, light brown mud, similar to the color of sand. And, uh, I was on my knees in this perfect mud house. It was a dark wooden table, perfect square. It was only about two inches high off the ground. And I remember to my right, it was a perfect square cut out of the mud. It was a window. It was no glass and it. it was just a square, hollowed out, perfect square. And uh, I was kneeling before this table, this perfect square, small table, probably probably 18 by 18 and uh, it was an open book on this table yeah. and from the right side of me where this perfect square window was cut out it was a gigantic laser like uh, sun ray coming in at an angle wow. and it landed smack dead on open book uh, pages illuminating it and I remember in this dream, I was praying, crying, and reading all at the same time. And I know that's impossible, 
to do three simultaneous things at one time, but this was just the nature of his dream brain. Right. And uh, in the dream, uh, I understood that this was the Quran. And that dream is what led me to the religion. I took it as an answer to my prayer. That's beautiful. And what about your, um, so like after that, your initial, after the dream, you woke up, you had that realization, I guess, you know, from the dream that this I is knew, what I want. I knew what the truth was. So what did you, what, what, what did you do after that? Like, did you go to the nearest mosque or did you call anyone? No, no, no. I was actually in the county jail. Okay. All right. So did you speak to anyone? Yeah, I spoke to every Muslim that I could. Yeah. And uh, eventually, within a very short period of time, I took my Shahada. And I think that was, I've never achieved such of a, a state of contentment, peace in my life until uh, there's no peace like the peace you get as a practicing Muslim. Yeah. A practicing Muslim. No peace. No brotherhood you get uh, except the brotherhood you receive from a practicing Muslim. Yeah. 